All right, this episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Market. Hey, Chris, it's late summer, and that means the late-season figs have arrived. Are you a big fig guy? I love figs. Yeah. Four luscious varieties at Zupan's, Black Mission, Brown Turkey, Sierra, and Tiger Stripe. Uh, Pair these with your cheese and honey, put it on a slice of sandwich. A lot of people, like my wife. A slice of sandwich? Slice of sandwich. A sandwich? Put a slice in a sandwich. Sliced in a sandwich. There we go. Right. Uh, my wife uses uh, a lot of times to sweeten up foods and, as part of her Whole30 diet that she's doing. Oh, good. You can't have like the you know the granular sugar, but you throw in some figs, you're good to go. Right, and and you could do a tasting with all these varieties. Oh yeah, figs are good. Yeah, and also um, one of my favorite things is to check my news feed, my Zupan's news feed before I walk into the market, see what the, what they've just sent me for free. Yeah. And this month, it's pretty cool, A um, some olive oil from southern Italy. For a $25 purchase, you get a fr- you, there's free olive oil. And it's a nice size. Nice. Am I looking at what kind of si- what size it is here? I don't think it says right no, here. No, but it looks like a big bottle. I saw it. I saw it online on uh, Zupans.com. You can never go wrong with that. Uh, we like to highlight the local vineyards that uh, Zupans likes to highlight. Right now, Soder Vineyards, located in Carleton, Oregon, Soder Vineyards, dedicated to creating the highest caliber of wine in the way that uh, treads softly on the earth, which is important. Have you ever walked through the aisles and aisles of wine at Zupan's? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, lot a place of varieties. to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great varieties. And you can do that at any one of three locations, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove, or, of course, at Zupan's.com. Here we go. It's time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your absent host, Chris Angelus. In fact, uh, this should be the last time in a little bit where Chris is absent. He returns home later this week uh, from his uh, PFAs in Barcelona and in Italy. Um, So we'll be happy to have Chris back. I'm your other host, the guy who doesn't talk too much except for when Chris is gone, Court Johnson. And uh, I felt it important for us to bring this episode back. It's not that old. August of 2017 when we last spoke with Ben Bettinger, but uh, given the fact that Big's Chicken is back, it's reopened, but in a completely new part of town. It's out on the west side, actually closer to my neck of the woods, and uh, those of us who live near Beaverton couldn't be happier about this, but Big's Chicken is back in a new location just uh i guess it's kind of centrally located right there in the downtown area of beaverton um but uh, we caught up with ben a little over a year ago august of 2017 not too long after the original biggs chicken had its fire and uh, in this interview we talked to him about what that meant for the future of biggs chicken and uh, now that we know it might be fun to go back and listen to him talk about that uh that whole ordeal and and what it was like to go through that so here you go episode 130 a classic edition with Ben Bettinger right here on Right at the Fork. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more with delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupan's on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. 
Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard in Portland for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks in Portland, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com and by San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, sparkling water with an extraordinary Italian heritage. It's a great, refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name the next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its foundation in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Try it with your next meal and enjoy the difference San Pellegrino can make. So how are you? Good. Good. Very good. You got to be really good. You just had some South Beach... Uh... We did. We crushed, we crushed some food. So let me ask you this, because I've been saying this for a long time, yeah. and I would totally respect your opinion. Sure. This. I've been telling everybody those are the best fish and chips on the planet that I know of, and I'm from the East Coast, so we've so, got some pretty good ones. So my wife loves the salmon fish and chips, mm-hmm. which is what she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went for the clam strips, mm-hmm. which were ridiculous. <laughs> They're really good. And then, of course, we had a, a Dungeness crab. Oh. So here's what I do. But I my sh- wife said best salmon fish and chips she's ever had. You just lost me. Yep. What I do, mm-hmm. I should have gotten you the, before this, but you did fine at times. You did the fisherman's platter, I saw. I do the, Which, the, I do the captain's platter, Captain and I, then I throw just through homage to your wife, I throw down two pieces of salmon. Yeah, the salmon was good. I had a bite. It was really yeah, good. I love the clam strips, though. I really did. So, But what I want to know is, do, are you in a, have you had better fish and chips, at least in Oregon? Uh, I don't think so. And my wife definitely plugged it being the best salmon fish and chip she's ever had in her life. There so, uh, we're, we're definitely agreeing. We had a, I'd go back there again before the other place. I don't need to say the name. What? Local ocean? Yeah. Oh, I like local ocean. Oh, it was really bad. Oh. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'd been there before and I knew what it was. Just, okay. It wasn't, wasn't great. Okay. Well, sorry about that. But no need to be sorry. So have you, so, uh, you were pretty busy up to when Biggs open still busy. you're always busy there's no <laughs> doubt about it but you had that going on yep. and then the fire hit yep and what was what was the talk, talk a little bit about that day and how you felt uh that day it kind of luckily happened happened in phases i first got a phone call um from one of the other owners that said there was a fire in the building and so i thought yeah you know it's been put out there's fire trucks there already uh and then i got a text message from a buddy who was watching on the news, made it sound a little bit more serious. And driving there, this is about 6.55 a.m., driving there, I realized uh, I was getting another message and another message, and then it was all over the news. And then it was 57th and Fremont when I saw the smoke. So I was about a mile and a half away still, and I could just see straight down 57th and just see the smoke billowing. So knew it was a little bit more serious. Did your heart sink when you saw that? Of How does course. that feel? I've never, I've never come back to a place that's, that's near and dear to me. Neither did I. And it was just, it was surreal, you know. In the moment, it doesn't feel real. And uh, when I showed up, uh, you know, the building was still heavily on fire, and it was coming from the roof. So 
you know, uh, I, I heard right away that everybody was out of the building. So we knew everybody was safe, which was good. And then my next concern was, you know, how is the restaurant? And at that point, there had been no fire damage to the restaurant itself. Oh, at that point. Yeah. So there, was, there were residents upstairs. And just yeah. to be clear, because mm-hmm. I think I just mentioned Biggs. Yeah. This is Biggs Chicken. Biggs Chicken. Which you had been working on for quite a while. Yep. And open to some nice reviews and people We'd, was really... We'd, People were very excited about it. We did, yeah. It was, it was uh, you know, it was, we we're three months in and it was going great and we we're having a lot of fun with it and it was received really well and it was just such a such a bummer to us. Yeah. So what's the plan now? Uh, we're kind of in uh, in between just the waiting game right now. Um, Going to figure out whether we rebuild there. Uh, you know, the the building is a, it's a total teardown. So they're tearing it down, uh, the owners of it, and we'll rebuild and we go from there. We may sign on with them and do that same spot, or we may try to find another spot. It's just a lot up in the air right now. Good. So yeah, I was just alluding to your being busy. Uh, yep. You're a dad now. Sure. So, That's true. And I was trying to remember on the way over here, the last time we did one of these, if I had just gotten married or I was about to get married, I think I'd gotten married. Well, Patrick was with you. So you could, can you place, because he was here. Sure. So can you place it? Then, but you didn't have a kid then, for no sure. Kid, no kid, for sure. So you've yeah. always been one of the hardest working guys in show business, and now I like to believe that I, st- I still am. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying you always have been. And yeah. so, how does that how does that manifest? Or what happens when you have a kid? Now you've got it's a juggling act for sure, you know. And uh, I've been preparing for this for a long time, trying to find the balance uh, between family and work. And honestly, the hardest thing is for me to walk away. You know, I, my I, luckily I have great uh, partners at Oilhurst that. That give me the uh, freedom to to walk away a bit, and uh, it's tough on me because I've I've always been there. You know, I've always at every job that I have, I've always been there all the time and never walk away. I thought you were going to talk about walking away from your son and oh, your wife. No, it's, but no, but you're, the tough part is walking away from work. It is the guilt there. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, walking away from the kid is ten times worse. But <laughs> you got to do it. Somebody's got to work. So. Um, it's just a, it's a balance, you know, and it's really tough to figure that out. And in the beginning, it was, you know, just gut-wrenching having to leave the kid. And then I'd be at work and have to leave there. Gut-wrenching to leave there. Just I always felt like I should be somewhere I, where I couldn't be. Um, but now it's the routines have happened. You know, he's nine months now. So it's we've had almost a year here to work on it. And it's, uh, it's a good balance now. So you, it, do you have any problem focusing? Focusing, Because you're no. a focused guy. No, we still just keep – I just keep on doing what I'm doing. And uh, – you know, I would give all my attention to both to both the kid and the and the job. So anyway. I was cruising through my I don't know if it's Netflix or Hulu, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, your um, Chopped episode oh, came yeah. up. How yeah. long ago was that? Uh, Two, three years ago. F- filmed in 2014, and then aired in 2015. Okay, so that. Uh, you are one of the most successful TV stars we have in <laughs> Portland. You won that. Yeah. And and uh, you knife fight? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know about knife fight. Yeah, I did knife fight. Did you win that? Too? Actually, yeah, battled Patrick uh, McKee on that one. Oh, you battled Patrick, and then you yeah. battled Jason on Chopped, uh-huh. which was pretty awesome. Yeah, that must. Well, so, you, how much did you want to win that? Because uh, you know they they built up the drama. On, I want to win everything Chopped. I do. <laughs> yeah, but was in, internally how important was it for you a to beat Jason uh-huh. and then be the last guy standing? Yeah. Well. Uh, Chopped was a show that I wasn't necessarily psyched about going to do, but I signed on, so I was going to do it. And then, of course, like I said, anything I do, I want to win. Um, and I, 
I realized it a few days before going that they were pairing Jason and I against each other. I saw a post that he had put on Facebook or something saying he was going to be in New York. And I sent him a little message. It was like, hey, are you meeting at, uh, well, I see you Monday morning at Starbucks at 5 a.m. And he's like, oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at that point, I knew it was going to be a fun competition. But unfortunately, Jason beat himself pretty early. And he'll admit that, I guess. Well, of course he will. And it, I mean, it's it's TV. It's having the camera in your face. It's having the time. You know, it's being in a new kitchen. It's all challenging. I was luckily coming off. I had done night fight, night fight like three weeks prior. I was kind of more a little bit more used to that pressure. And I I tried to tell Jason going into it like it, it gets intense. Um, but I was bummed. I wanted to I wanted to battle him a bit more. Um, well, you, you you almost got the best case scenario. I mean, yeah. At least you won. Uh, of course, yeah. That's so. The pressure there, you mm-hmm. just talked about the pressure, the pressure there versus Iron Chef, to me, that was that's the most intense. From a viewer standpoint, that's the most intense show you can do, or uh, was. Iron Chef was intense. I mean, luckily, I was, you know, there was three of us. It was, you know, it was Vitaly who was doing it, but Patrick and I were both there to, uh, you know, be the sous chef. So. That's Patrick McKee, just so we can... Yep. People know. Um, I've been getting notes to people that we just drop names. Uh, and and we, people we don't need know. To, we need, yes. Not everybody. We can't assume everybody knows. Um, the pressure on all three of them was intense. Anytime there's a camera in your face and there's a competition, I'm going to put myself or hold myself to the same amount of pressure. Knife Fight on Esquire Channel, that was the other one that I referred to. To me, that was the most fun um, they give you really cool ingredients and they set you up for success. Chop, I feel like you're set up to kind of fail. They give you kind of weird things. Uh, with Knife Fight, they gave us whole rabbits, pig ears, and sunchokes, and you had an hour to cook three dishes. So it's like, oh man, if I was sitting fun. there as your coach when that happened, yeah. I would have said, oh, you're golden on yeah. that. And it was great. You know, it was another, another setup battle where they set me up to battle somebody I know, and uh, it was fun. Well, some of you knew pretty well. Yep. And did they? Do you th- that wasn't coincidence. They knew no, you and yeah, Patrick but, were pretty close. Yeah, that was a that was a thing. So, um, what's what's going on at Laurelhurst? The last time we were here was it two or three years ago. Did we determine Patrick was with you there? Patrick he, McKee, who had was. worked with you with Vitali for years, mm-hmm. and uh, you had him there, and now. You are, he's not there any longer. Kevin yep. Ludwig is gone, yep. which is your former, your former buddy at uh, Beaker and Flask. A long Certainly. Time yeah. Ago. I miss, I miss Kevin. Kevin's a great guy. We, you know, we work together. I think we said four spots now. Um, so I, I love having Kevin around. It was, it was nice to have him there and definitely miss him. But we do have, uh, and also an, another Portland, uh, expert bartender, Eric Nelson, mm-hmm. uh, who's there now took over Kevin's spot. And that's just he was the bar manager there in the past, and he came back, and it's just a really amazing fit. He's he's a he's a professional, so he's there kicking butt. Well, there wouldn't be anybody there that wasn't professional, but that leads to um, something that we've been talking about quite a bit on this show, which is finding help yeah, oh in God. this day and age. Yeah. So in order for you to be able to relax and get out of there, mm-hmm. you have to be able to count on people. It's um, true. It's been uh, a, a problem that's been increasingly uh, more challenging over the years. For me, I noticed the flip in early 2013. Hiring at Imperial in late 2012, we had 50, 60 candidates coming through and it was easy. It was just, you know, we got to pick the best of the best that we wanted. Something happened that next year where all of a sudden it was just a different world. What and do you think that was? I, I don't know. I think it just, I think, I think it finally caught, I think the amount of new restaurants opening up finally caught up to Portland is what it was. And do you think maybe it was a generational thing too? The generational thing is also, so there's less, there's less of a pool to pull from, but there's also this 
generational switch now that uh, is quite, <laughs> quite different for, for somebody like myself who's been in uh, Portland 18 years and has worked from the bottom, you know, as an intern at a, at a good restaurant uh, up to doing my own thing. So it's, 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 been a, <laughs> it's interesting to watch. So the anecdotes I've heard from people who've been in the business for a while mm-hmm. are that it's just the work ethic now is not there. They expect to come in, you know, you just mentioned going from the bottom up and working your way through. They want to do that. You did it in, what, 18 years to be where you are now. They want to do it in two. Or maybe not even just be there. Well, don't get me wrong, Chris. I wanted to do it in two as well. When I came out of culinary school, I had great dreams, but uh, I was also a hard worker and I did have a good work ethic going into it. I I think part of the problem is, you know, we were talking about these cooking shows before and, and the field has got this little bit of like celebrity glamour to it now. And I'm not sure if it's just food is cool again or if it's the food network or what, but it definitely creates more of this persona of a chef and people get really excited about that rock star celebrity business. And it's, it's not, you know, if you want to talk about like it's 15 hour days, you know, when you just had a kid, that's not rock star in my mind, (laughs) but people have this idea of what it is. And I think that creates this huge influx of people going to culinary school and thinking they're going to they're going to graduate and be chefs. Now I thought that too, you know, they, they prep you for that at the culinary schools. They tell you you're going to go out of there and be a chef and do your thing and blah, blah. It's like, no, you're going to leave culinary school and wash dishes somewhere. Um, but and as, as the market grows with restaurants, you, you, it's going to be harder to, to get from that point to this point because you've got a lot of people who are in the middle now who are moving up. So, so, so I think one thing with this whole switch of the, the pool getting smaller for, for talented staff and the attitude of them being a little bit more lackluster, uh, as owners and as chefs, whereas we wouldn't have put up with this bullshit before, and you just can somebody, you know, if they don't want to work hard or they don't show up or they're late, you just one strike you're out you're gone now it's like you're giving a third a fourth a fifth strike because you just don't want to lose bodies um and it, it's for for us it's creating a bit more of a, a new style of work or for myself at least i can't speak for everybody but now i have to work with people a lot a lot harder you know younger cooks that have these ideas i really try to instill in them the, the work ethic that i came up with and i tell them stories about what it was like when i worked and it sounds so cheesy but i try to instill you know, a better work ethic. And, and I think it's working with a lot of my staff. We've had low turnover and um, it does. It makes for me being able to take the time to be with my child. And um, I've got my crew right now is the best crew that I've ever had at Laurelhurst. Oh, that's uh, great. But when you do lose somebody, it's a nightmare. So we had Lisa Schroeder here mm-hmm. and, you know, she does how many, a thousand plus covers. I saw that. Actually, morning. I just saw that yesterday that she yeah. did a thousand covers. It's yesterday. unbelievable. Yeah. So I specifically asked her, I said, you got, let's, let's, address this there's a little bit of a a vibe out there that you're tough and that you're mean and she said i'm not my restaurant is not for the faint of heart and um she talked about how busy it is and you don't have time to to teach everybody and go through and you got customers out there you don't have really the room to get messy and have problems and mistakes um so that's got to be that's got to be tough. Yeah, it just keeps things exciting. You know, it never, there's never a dull moment in this industry and it, there's never going, I mean, that's why we're all in it. You know, we love it. But again, as an owner and as a chef, it's, it's definitely certainly challenging. Um, and, and where do you see it all going with minimum wage? Do you think that might help that you can get better help? We've already, I mean, we're already, we decided a while ago that we just want to take care of our employees. So, you know, we offer benefits. We offer a great um, uh, hourly wage and, you know, I don't think there's anybody in our in our building that makes less than 15 at this point, uh, but we don't 
I mean, it's just we want to keep people and we want to we want to provide um, a, a, a position for people that can like have an apartment and have, you know, it's it's tough. It's uh, you know, I, I can't imagine renting in Portland right now. And, uh, well, actually, the renting the rent market is supposed to be is it dropping back down, back down because now? there's so much inventory for both uh, for for sale and for mm-hmm. rent that it's going to drop back down. But but it keeps jump as you provide more benefits and you start paying people more, then that carrot goes a little further for it, it, the ability for people to be able to own and and have a life without a second job. Right. It does. So now, I only I always had second jobs, you know, back in the day, uh, but. I mean, that's what a lot of them still have to do. A lot of cooks still. But I think it's great. Have a second job. Keep yourself busy. If you have three days off as a cook, you just get yourself into too much trouble. You drink too much. You spend too much money. I mean, that's just, that's how it was. So I think for a lot of my cooks, it's a way to stay, uh, <laughs> stay sane too. So um, is has has that changed over the last 10 years? Is there still rampant drinking in the industry is it how is that uh there certainly is um i can say thankfully that i've kind of finally taken myself out of that rampant drinking and you know with the kid i don't really do that at all much anymore you know have a couple couple beers to relax every now and again but uh yeah there still is it's just the environment you know it's a stressful day-to-day environment you show up you work really hard you go through a six seven eight hour service you get your butt kicked it's hot uh you know there's always always wrenches in the evening it's always tough you know so what do you do you cool down by having a few drinks and um i think that'll continue so what keeps you going? Is it the adrenaline? What? Because it's that is a pace. I keep hearing it here. Mm-hmm. I could never keep up with that pace. Well, I mean, I am getting older, Chris. So I don't. I oh. don't. You know, I. Uh, you don't look it. <clears throat> Thirty-eight. So Good. still young, but for this profession, you know, when I when I do fourteen, fifteen-hour days, still, it's definitely starting to take a bit more of a toll on me. So at the end of the fourteen-hour day, where five years ago I would go and drink for three hours and then go home, now I you know crawl home and climb into bed and cry a little because <laughs> <laughs> I then, don't feel young. And then you get up and do it the next day. And hey, then, man, if you're not feeling young, just wait. Uh, well, not only do I get up and do it again the next day, now it's wake up and walk the baby or talk to the wife about the baby or watch her feed the baby. You know, there's always something. So it's luckily I trained for years and years of uh, being in the industry and, and drinking too much and not uh, sleeping uh, much as well. So I've always been, I've been training for having a baby. Now I just do it much more sober. Right. So, <laughs> so you've just replaced childcare. Exactly. You just replaced drinking with childcare. And it feels you great. You could do the seminar. <laughs> it feels great. How to do it. That's fantastic. So do you uh, plan on having more kids? Uh, it's, it's, uh, man, it's, it's up in the air. Uh, I definitely always wanted to have two kids, but, uh, wife is on the fence still and it's, it's hard to think of, you know, our boy's nine months old, so it's hard to imagine having another one and not giving all your attention to him. Cause I feel like we still haven't, we still have so much to give him right now. It's, but the idea of having a sibling is pretty great. So we'll see. I think so. Yeah. I have two. I could argue the whole, I could argue the gamut. None, one, two. Exactly. I wouldn't go more than two, but that's just me. That's just, I definitely don't want to go more than two. My wife was an only child, though, and she loved it. And so she's pretty pretty firm on that, but we'll see. And how, you, have, you I have, have... I have one sibling. I have a sister, older sister. And she out here? She's in uh, up in Anacortes, Washington. Oh, nice. So you all moved out west. Yep. Do you get back? I think we talked about this last time. Do we? Did you, do you get back to... Uh, 
Vermont much? Uh, yeah, I try to get back east, you know, once a year anyway. I'm not going to make it to Vermont this year, but I head to Maine actually uh, next week. So going to Maine for a week. What are you going to do there? Uh, we go to this small little island. Uh, my parents' friends from college, their family own this little island. And so my parents have been going there for 45 years uh, every summer. And I went there for the first 16 years of my life. And we still go and stay in the little cabins and cook food and chill. So you're going to have, I would imagine you'd have a lobster too. We will have so much lobster. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, um, what I found incredible was when I saw you did your trip to Barcelona oh, that a was, couple of years ago. That was incredible. Right. But everybody else is going to restaurants yeah. and featuring all the restaurants. You're going to the Boqueria and picking up everything and making it yourself. That is... It wasn't even the plan. It was just, you know, when you're there and, and the seafood availability is so much greater than... I mean, we live so close to the ocean, but there's nothing available here. You Why know? is that? It all gets sent away. It all gets shipped to Japan or it all gets, it's, you know, it's like, why do you go to the coast and you have, there's no good food, you know, that's for usually. Uh, yeah, no, I, that's, you know, you live out there. That's also, yeah, <laughs> but that's also why I've lost a little weight. There's, yeah. we don't, I don't have the, um, I don't have the plethora of options. It's true. There that I but do. But Barcelona, here. that's the thing. There's just everything you can imagine and all these cool ingredients that we don't get to have here. Um, and they're cheap, you know, so. And the wine is cheap. Uh, the wine is cheap. And my wife and I, actually, we got really lucky. We rented a really, really cool apartment a block away from the Boqueria, and that was it. You know, I'd wake up, and we'd go get stuff for breakfast, and I'd cook, and then we'd go to the beach and drink all day, you know, just sit in the beach and drink rosé and have whatever, like, snacks down there, and then come home and cook, like, an early dinner, and then we'd go out. And uh, it was awesome. And it just was so much easier, and not that we were on, like, a tight budget, but... It just made so much more sense, and I love cooking, and my and it just gave us you know gave us time to hang out in this cool apartment and do that. And um. I think it's fantastic. When I saw it, it I I was struck by it because I would never think I've stayed in Airbnbs before with full kitchens. I would never think of actually cooking in them yeah, because it, there's so many other options. But you've got a skill or two, and and. I think to utilize that pokeria to your advantage is. I know one one day it was raining a little bit, and I made I made a uh, pig head porchetta. Just like just went over there, found a found a pig head, and uh, bought some pork and had them grind it for me, and stuffed it with chanterelles and dried fruit, and um, you know rolled it, tied it, and uh, I went, had to run back over to ask him for butcher's twine, tied it up, and slow cooked it, and, and I mean we just had it for lunch, you know it was just. Really cool, and you had to have some left over. You can't just make a porchetta for two, right? What's what do you? It was a smaller pig head. Oh, yeah. small it was pig small because that's the thing they sell suckling pigs everywhere too, like you don't see here. So, so what would happen in Portland if they had a bocaria here? God, that'd be cool. Um, I just don't think we can support it. You know, as far as seafood goes, there's such you know, like even this week I couldn't tuna's in full season, but we couldn't get tuna because the boats couldn't go out because it's so windy and there's always something. You know, it's uh, seafood's a really tough market in Portland. You would think when I moved out here, I thought I was going to be that was what it was going to be. Yep. And it turns out, no, this is a pork. This is a pork place. It is now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's well, meat centric for sure. It was then, but um, and especially pork. But I think that's is that changing a little bit because pork, you could make some incredible dishes and they weren't that expensive. Now I think the market is changing here a little bit. Well, would the market. Would you I mean, agree? You, you, Laurelhurst is probably a very good barometer. Well, for, for us, them. it's actually it's, it's bizarre because we're we're a steakhouse, so people come to Laurelhurst for beef. 
Um, you know, we do sell, we have different, a couple different pork dishes. We have, you know, a pork tenderloin and a pork shoulder and a pork chop, but for the most part, we're all beef. Um, so we don't move a ton of pork, even though it is cheaper and, and I love eating pork, but people come to Little Horse and they want a ribeye. They come, they want to dry edge New York, you know? Um, so pork and fish, we just don't, we just don't sell a ton of, which is crazy. Cause I love, I love cooking these things. Yeah, so we always have really cool people are always surprised. Like, Oh my God, this pork chops like, well, yeah, we, you know, we, we brine it, we smoke it, we grill it and we serve it with really cool shit. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> uh, but people come for beef. And, um, steaks. Yeah. You know, Laurelhurst is always up there. Are there any other steakhouses that you have enjoyed or you would, uh, that you think are up to your standard? I mean, I think it's just a different, I think it's just a different experience at Laurel Horse. I think the standard is, you know, I think a lot of these steakhouses buy great meat and they grill them just perfectly, you know. Um, I went to one a steakhouse that's downtown here uh, this winter and I had an amazing meal, but it was probably four times as expensive as Laurel Hurst. Mm-hmm. You know, the steak that I have on the menu for $42 was 72 for the same steak. And they're both sourced locally or? They're, they're both, they're both sourced out of California. Out of California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, and that's just what you're paying for downtown, you know, downtown, the, uh, real estate's a lot more expensive. They're paying way more per square foot. They're paying for, uh, all the part of everything, you know, all adds up. So probably all the advertising. Yeah. Sure. The, the square footage. Um, was that the case at Beaker and Flask? Yeah. That was that was a fantastic place. You feels guys like, came out of left field. Feels right? like a lifetime ago. Right. It was a long time ago, <laughs> but it, it has a place in history in this city because it kind of came out of left field. It was a bar. That was, where, that was that, Kevin's idea for sure. Right. You know? um, and Kevin and I had worked together at Paley's Place, and then uh, on my last night, uh, we had a little party. They threw me a party at Teardrop Tier Drop Lounge. And he asked me, he's like, so what's next? And I was like, you know, I don't have any idea, man. I just, you know, eight years here, I'm ready to move on. I think I've learned what I can here. Um, and he's like, I'm doing this project. I'm opening a bar. And I was like, yeah, you know, bar's not really for me. He's like, well, let's talk. So sure enough, we talked and Beaker became Beaker. How long did that take from that point? What did oh, you do God. while you were off? Uh, I took a position at Clyde Common. I was the sous chef there with uh, Jason Barakowski for... I don't know, six months or nine months or something end up being, I think he called me and was like, Hey, my sous chef's leaving tomorrow. I need somebody that can walk in. Oh, sure. Let's do it. Um, I think two months that I told him I was going to get him to the holidays and end up being nine. So hung, hung out there and then opened Beaker the next year. And how long were you, how long did Beaker last? I was at Beaker from 09 to, I was there for three years. Three years. Yeah. And then it was after you left. It didn't uh, last long after that. Yeah, I don't know how long it lasted. It wasn't terribly long. Maybe another nine months or something, uh, which was just unfortunate and sad. But. So you opened Imperial, mm-hmm. which is a classic Portland sure. spot. I actually went to uh, the Crown last yesterday. Oh, did you? Oh, I, I saw a picture. Yeah, I keep seeing your your, your pizza picture. I'm using I'm using all the pressure I can <laughs> to keep that white clam pizza going Good. over there. It's great, and and Vitaly's been. <laughs> It's been fun talking to him about it. Um, you worked with him for years, so you left, you came back. How difficult was it for you to leave Imperial? Or it may not have been difficult. You may have said what you said when you're Paley's. I've been here a long time. I got to yeah. do something else. Imperial was a bit more short-lived for me. You know, I spent eight years at Imperial. I only spent two, uh, or I'm sorry, eight years at Paley's place. I only spent two with Imperial. Um, it, I just knew it wasn't my gig. You know, I just I. From the day we opened, I kind of knew I was in the wrong spot. Right. I loved working with Vitaly. Ah, the hotel scene's not for me. There's too many moving parts. There's too much. Uh, there's too much drama with too many people involved. 
I, I want to run a place where I can make a decision and do it and uh, not have 15 other people working on that same project. So um, it just wasn't for me. It's awesome that it's doing so well and I'm so happy that it is. And, you know, I know that we worked really hard to set up a lot of the systems and, um, and get that place up and going, but uh, it was nothing like Paley's place. It was right? not for me. No. Right, so how many people were in the kitchen? Oh God, too many. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you also had the hotel to deal with, with it, with a lot of decisions. Cause I know that how the, the moment I started just dealing with anything at headwaters, it yeah. was, it was kind of like it was corporate decision, yeah. decision making going on. Yep. There was. So like I said, I, I kind of knew a new sooner than later that it was the not, not the right spot for me, but I was happy to, I'm happy that I did it. You know, it was really good, good couple of years and, uh, it was easy to move on though. Yeah. Let's take a minute uh, right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It's been a favorite for a lot of people. For uh, They're celebrating their 75th year next year. Which is awesome. Yeah. Who else? I guess what? Huber's maybe in Portland that has been around that long. But right. no one's been uh, carrying the torch for service as long as uh, Ringside Steakhouse. And as of uh, and very recently also the fish house which unfortunately closed yeah so they were um if if you haven't heard the story yet they in that space over at fox tower the um the building the a tenant wanted more space and the petersons decided that uh they didn't have a younger generation that was interested in operating the restaurant business so they decided to just stick with what they know really well. Mm-hmm. Not that they didn't know the fish house well, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse, I guess, for the space. And uh, and now they're they're going to operate the steakhouse solely. The good news here is if you're a big fan of the onion rings, <laughs> it's all about those the onion have, rings. Those have always been in both places. And I, I had just this past weekend, I introduced a friend of mine to the onion rings. And if you've, if you've never had the ringside onion rings. You are missing out because they are perfection. I've I had friends, two sets of friends here last month who enjoyed that, but also the lobster mashed potatoes, oh, which yeah. you could you could still get at Ringside Steakhouse. We did that too. And they have the after nine o'clock happy hour mm-hmm. menu, which is just as good as the Fish House is better than the Fish House's uh, happy hour menu too. Yeah. So, and not only that, of course, classic states service and an atmosphere. Did you know? I don't know if you knew this, Court, because. You have to be paying a little bit of attention. Portland Business Journal, Ringside One Best Restaurant in Portland. Uh, and a few categories as well. Not only Best Restaurant, but I think Best Service, Best Decor. That might have been it. Oh, I, the, may, I may be wrong on that, but listeners are certainly welcome to, to call me out. If yes, certainly. Easily the best service in Portland that I've experienced myself. I think so. Is at the steakhouse. It's, so. old, it's old school service. Right. It's, you know, it's... Asking the right questions and knowing what you like when you come in, if mm-hmm. you've been there multiple times. So yeah, Ringside Steakhouse over on West Burnside. What's the what, the website is? Uh, RingsideSteakhouse.com. Yeah, there you go. That easy, and that's where you can also go and set up a reservation today. Yeah, and you can do that as individuals, or if you have a corporate outing, you're going to impress. Mm-hmm. You're working with some good people. And gave you opportunity with uh, the opportunity at Biggs. I'm sure there are going to be some yeah. others coming up yeah working with great people right now you know i've got three amazing partners that support everything i do and uh they're fun to work with you know um like i said they support me fully they they support me being a father they support me uh and the decisions i make at laurelhurst and then yeah they gave me you know they were great partners to have going into bigs too so that was uh you know my first 
uh, time opening up a spot as an owner, and they were they were great. They walked me through everything. Was Biggs all was how much of Biggs was your doing the the recipes? The, uh, the recipes the and the recipes and concept was was you know kind of my baby. Um, but like I said, I couldn't have done a single bit of it without them. Right. Yeah. So um, that's got to to go back there. Mm-hmm. How how tough is that for you, or is that just your focus? You got too many other things to focus on right now, so no. Like I said, it's you know it's very surreal, and um, realizing that you know the space is gone, that, that definitely hurt, you know. But I try to keep myself busy and not really focus on it. To be honest, it's, yeah, it it bums me out beyond beyond words, really, um, because it was my baby, and you know. It was doing so well, but now it's been market tested, and, and we know that we'll do more. That's right. You and uh, there's been a spate of fires in Portland over the years. Oh, and, it's crushing. Uh, aviary, <laughs> I think, rose from you know they had aviary pizza jerk. You know, right, those pizza are both jerk. Great and then my of, friend Jeff at Homegrown Smoker, the weekend he's opening up his brick and mortar, his food cart oh, goes goes yeah. burns. I just saw fish sauce had a fire too. It's just kind of continuing. It's r- really sad. Um, is that just part of the, is that just because you've got fire hazards in a kitchen or well, the fire, is that the happening? Fire, the fire at Biggs didn't happen in the restaurant. And so that happened actually in the apartment building that was attached to the restaurant. What, ha- so, what, what was the cause? You know, they, they couldn't, they couldn't, uh, pinpoint exactly what started it, but it was an electrical fire, you know, but it wasn't, uh, thank God, you know, it wasn't in our, in our kitchen or, um, anything that we contributed to. So, um. How many people were living in that building? I believe there was eight apartments upstairs. Oh. Yeah, and it happened early in the morning, so they're all okay. Thank God. Yeah. yeah, thank thank God. I mean, that was the the most important part was that everybody got out safe. Um, and uh, it's I'm sure what they're dealing with is more painful than what what I am. You know, I lost a restaurant, but they lost all their belongings for the most part and uh, their home. And so. I think you'll well, they'll get their life back. And you know, as a matter of fact, I, I just th- saw uh, one of the tenants as I was pulling up outside. Uh, I saw him and his girlfriend, and he just said, "I did, just got a new place. Everything's good." So that made me feel good about that. But. I firmly believe that you're going to come back stronger. I agree, and I, and you'll it'll you, someday it'll be so far in your past that you'll think that was the best thing that happened. You know, that's what I'm hoping for, Chris. It's uh, it it I know we will recover. And I think now we have uh, we've got three months under our belt of that place. We know what worked. We know it didn't work. We know how to rebuild a better kitchen. Um, you know, it's like we get a, re- a redo. But man, does it not hurt? You know, displacing all the people out of work as well. And luckily, we've been able to find work for most of them throughout our companies and and put them back in other other positions and just trying to take care of everybody and make sure that they've got work. So. Um, so are you comfortable with divulging what did work, what you really feel worked, and maybe what, what you thought might and didn't? Uh, I mean, I think the concept in general worked. I think everybody um, really really liked what we were doing. The wings were popular. The I mean, all the food was popular. It was The neighborhood loved it. And that's, to me, that was the exciting part was this North Tabor uh, neighborhood really, really got behind us and stood behind us and, and supported us. You know, we were told that we wouldn't be able to do a lunch business there, that every business fails during lunch. And we had huge lunches there. And uh, we had delivery services that worked really well. And we had dinners that were awesome. So I, I was kind of firing on all cylinders. And uh, we were just excited to, to grow it more. Um, but. So, so would the objective be to open up in that neighborhood if it's not that building um i always i was for me 
whenever the neighborhood becomes so important to a restaurant, it's always hard for me to believe because I got to drive to everywhere. There's yeah. nowhere in my, there's nothing in my neighborhood. So like when Smallware is closed, I never understood sure. that. And we've talked about that on the show quite a bit. But um, but I guess in, in Portland, the neighborhood support and the people like me who drive in are not really keeping you open. It's They're, the neighborhood for sure. I mean, within a week, I saw people coming four or five times because they were just so excited to have something there, you know. Um, but that's not the case in every neighborhood because no. in other neighborhoods, like where Laurelhurst is, you're not the only game, you're not the only restaurant there. There are a lot of choices. So True. Ton, it's right down yeah. the road. It's, it's growing for sure. But we also. You know, that's something that we always pride ourselves at Laurelhurst is that we do want to be a, a neighborhood spot as well. So we're, uh, and we do see those people that come in, you know, twice a week, three times a week that's, sometimes. It's a nice neighborhood. Uh, You're the first restaurant on the exactly, side of Laurelhurst. Exactly. Before anybody gets there. That's true. Are you friends with the, the folks at Millennium Music? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we so, know them. So do you get over there a lot? You still playing, you still spinning any vinyl I in life? I don't, no. No, I don't get over there often. It's usually get to work and work. Um but they seem to be continuing to do well, which is great. So are you, how important is music in your life? I wouldn't say that it is. I never, I rarely yeah. hear that yeah. from chefs. Yeah. It's uh, one of those things where I, I don't have, I've never had free time and I've never understood how people just sit around and listen to music. The times that I listen to music is either in the car or at work. And at work, it's usually muffled by a giant, you know, a hood and pots and pans. And so I don't really care. Um, and... Yeah, I just, I've never had that time. I've never understood how people have time to sit around and listen to music. I would like to, but my drive is 10 minutes, and generally I listen to, you know, OPB for 10 minutes or whatever, so. You're not listening to this? I, I haven't been. I need to more. Oh, man. We, give me your phone. <laughs> you got a program. Right probably, in. My, phone, my phone is full. I can't have, my phone is, Oh yeah, I've oh, heard, I have too many baby pictures. <laughs> Court, we've heard that before. Mm -hmm. ba babies instead of right at the fork. Right. Oh, my you God. I have to change that up. So, you know, it's interesting. When I was talking to Greg Denton at yeah. Ox a couple of years ago, I, I asked him if he was into, you know, we were talking a little bit about music, and then I asked him about sports. Yeah. And... Um, he looked at me like I was nuts. Not so much. He he explained. He said, "Just like you, I yeah. have no time. Yeah. I don't get. I don't have. There's no way I could follow anything and any any anything else." Yeah, people do. People make time for sure. It's just music is never. I mean, I love music. I do, but it's just not. I don't go home and listen to records and like just sit around. Like I just don't have. So, do you think all the energy that you're not not spending on music and sports? And, you know, uh, other things, you're not traveling a lot, no. goes right into your, goes right into the food, that, that people are going to taste the, the passion that you have well, when they come in. I don't know if that's true, any of that's true. I think if I traveled more, I'd probably have more passion. <laughs> well, maybe you'd have but, some, a broader viewpoint, too. Exactly. So. No, I just, I think as far as the food goes, I've always put everything that I, that I can into food, so I think that's how that works, but... Um, I hope to have more more hobbies and do more stuff at some point. Do you have ideas on what those might be? God, I'll, I'll take anything at this point. No, it's honestly, right now it's just hanging out with a kid. That's all I want to do. All I want to do is hang out with my boy. And, and, and as he gets older, you're then, gonna all. Then you will probably be drawn into some sport. I'm pretty excited about sort. that, to be honest. I, I played a lot of sports growing up, and I, I don't have that time in my life now. So now that with him getting older, I'm pretty excited to revisit those sports. You know, my dad was always very active with me and coached my soccer teams and played soccer with me and played basketball and all those things. So I'm pretty pumped to do that with him too. Time to uh, get back into shape a little bit. You're looking pretty good. I'm looking it's a nice right. shirt. You're I'm a fashionable right. guy. Who sh who who picks out your clothes? I do. You do. Good yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, because in many cases, it's you know, once once you get married, it stops oh, being you. God, that'd be hilarious. No, no, I, I still. Why would that be hilarious? I think I have probably better fashion sense than my wife. Ooh. <laughs> well, let's, let's hope that wow. she's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> so are you, then, are you helping her dress? I, I, I do. I definitely buy stuff for her. Oh, cool. Yeah, I pick out stuff for my wife. Oh, she, so she loves it. Benny with the fashion sense <laughs> over there. That's awesome. So, um, is it? I guess it's it's hard. So, you, if you're not keeping up with the music, and mm-hmm. that, it would be hard to keep up with fashion. What oh, makes God. what makes does that come from? You know, when I oh, I certainly don't keep up. I just I'm I'm, I'm cheap. I got to be honest. Everybody always is like, man, I really like that shirt. I'm like, yep, Marshall's twelve dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, is your goal to not to maybe get to Nordstrom Rack someday? So you can. <laughs> I used to go to Nordstrom Rack all the time for shoes. Yeah, I yeah. think it's great. You yeah. can always find stuff in sure. there. Um, I'm a Marshalls guy. You're a Marshalls guy. <laughs> Maybe they're listening. He can get a little endorsement. Honestly, deal. the the reason behind the cheap shirts is that I end up wearing them all to work. Inevitably, they get wrecked. So I look at it as if I can wear it one time, it's justified. I spent twelve bucks on. If I wear it once, maybe twice, then it's not that big of a loss. So if I spent, if I spent, through, if I spent hundred bucks on a shirt, I'll be pissed off. You know. Well, save that one for the the wonderful nights. Do I know. you get? By the way, do you get nights away from your kid? Are you getting? Are you doing any date nights? Uh, we have done a few date nights. You know, probably I'd say a handful, four or five so far without him. But they're always short lived. You know, we've got we've got to feed the boy, so we're we're home quickly. And do you take do you take him out? We do, yeah. How's dining with a with a nine month old? It's interesting, you know. It's uh, there's times when he's amazing, and there's other times where he just doesn't want to have it. So when that happens, one of us goes for a walk and hang, takes him. And <laughs> I love to see that, yeah, because the people who hang in there, I know, trying to trying to change the pattern. Yeah, we actually see a lot of children at Laurelhurst, and so I've seen the full scale. So even before having a kid, I kind of knew what kind of parent I wanted to be when it came to dining. Um, and so, yeah, you know, if, if Reed is, my boy's name is Reed, by the way, mm-hmm. if Reed's having a bad time, then we just take him for, you know, I'll take him for a walk and let, let Autumn eat and, and vice versa. So, uh, yeah. So we had Jose Chess on the mm-hmm. show um, recently, and he was talking about the fact that he, I think he has a very different viewpoint just because he's a Spaniard. He's sure. a, but he, he's in, he wants people to bring in, like, you know, nine months old, two year, two yeah. months old, because he wants to participate in the um, the palate growth sure. of kids and teaching them that you should just eat something else other than McDonald's and Chuck E. Cheese's and all that stuff. You know, I'm a, I, I'm looking forward to when my kid can eat more. You know, he still has no teeth, so he doesn't get a ton yet. <laughs> <laughs> I trust me. I've been. But that's I, a I've challenge. <laughs> You've done the challenge of the TV shows. You yeah. can you can figure it out for for him. Yeah. No, he does. He, we definitely. You know, he gets good food. But I'm looking forward to when he has teeth and he can eat stuff, and I can force things on him, and my wife will battle me. And but, do it, you think he's just gonna he because of you'll expose him to a lot of great things? I hope that so. he's gonna eat well. God, I hope. I think that really makes a difference. I know if you. I mean, I. It's tough with children, and what I'm learning right now is patience and repetition. Like, I, I know their first reaction sometimes is to not like something, and so it's easy to say, oh, he doesn't like it, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But so if you continue to reintroduce that. things to, 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 to the children, they're going to like it, and they will, because that's what they're going to get. So, um, you know, I, I had that with him this morning, where he just did not want to eat his sweet potato and beet puree, and he just... <laughs> wouldn't eat it but then i just kept offering it to him kept offering, and he finally was down and then he was shoving it in his face and crushing it so and you made the sweet potato and be- be- oh god no 
Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I expected you to say yes. Trust me, I had all the intentions of making all the purees for them and all that jazz, but it's, it's much easier to buy a little, a little organic pouch for them. Okay. <laughs> well, at least it's organic. So would you, um, looking back and looking forward, would you, if Reed wanted to get into your business 20 years from now, or even eight, 18 years from now, I guess, yeah. I don't know, um, what would you say? Uh, God, I can't even imagine what this business will be like in 18 years. I'm, I'm sure. Oh, that's a good path you to know, it, Who knows what it's going to be. But of course, no, it's a, to me, it was my outlet, you know? I never was, I never did great in school, and I never really had, uh, I, I, I don't know what I would do right now without cooking. So if that's if that's his thing, then absolutely, I'd love to see him in it. But right now, his thing is smashing whatever he's holding on the floor. <laughs> um, there are a lot of twenty-five-year-olds. That, that's, that's that's what their thing that's is. True. Still. That's true. Still, so <laughs> hopefully, he'll grow out of that someday. Yeah. So, um, do you have any? Do you have any vision for? You talked about you don't know what it's going to be like in twenty years, but three, four years from now. You, you're you're liking Laurelhurst. Oh, I love Laurelhurst. You're not you're not ready to be thinking about. No. Your own thing. No, no, this is my own thing, you know. I'm, right, I'm, but I'm just saying your own thing without, because you just talked about their support, yeah. the folks you work with, David and Ben. No, they're, they're great partners, you know, and I I, I don't, I think, uh, you know, I always wanted to have a restaurant. I always wanted to, you know, be an owner at a restaurant. I never wanted the risk attached. You know, I've seen so many places with amazing concept and great people fail. And uh, I, I don't want to do that, but I, I feel like, with support from these three guys, that's not going to happen, you know. So what do they? What do you and what do they all know to to keep everything successful? I mean, they, uh, we were talking about Laurelhurst Market, mm-hmm. uh, Reverence Barbecue, yep. what, 808? 808, Simpatica. Simpatica. And then Biggs. With, yeah. And Biggs, yep. right. And uh, they're all successful spots. Right. You know? I don't remember. <laughs> Simpatica just changed the its focus. Yep. Um, so I don't remember anything just closing because no. we're, we're in a market now where we're starting to see that. You see it a lot. And, uh, that's something I don't ever want to do. You know, we, we closed bigs due to a fire and it, it was horrible. I don't ever want to lose a spot. So, you know, my, my goals are different at this point. You know, obviously it's, it's, it's all about the kid now and making sure I can take care of my family and provide for those guys. And I want to make safe and smart decisions. So I feel like. You're not still doing the uh, rafting trips with, yeah. with Erica, are oh, you? Yeah. Are you are still uh, doing? So I didn't do one with Erica this summer. I did it with the rafting company that Erica's worked with, okay. uh, Winding Waters out of Joseph, Oregon. They're awesome. Um, and Eric and I will do them again together because honestly, it's it's one of my favorite parts of the year is being, I've only done the Snake River, but I've done four trips now on the Snake River and uh, I, I just, I love it. So here's my impression of that whole area because mm-hmm. I lived here for, I've I don't know, at the time, four or five years, and I thought, I've, I love Portland, I love the surrounding area, down around Bend, you learn the coast, Crater Lake, and then you go out to Willow County, and then you think, holy shit, this existed, and no one told me about it. Yeah. And, I, and I have since encouraged a lot of people to go out to Joseph and Enterprise, it's, and they thank me. It's after. amazing. It yeah. is. I don't know anybody that's ever been there that doesn't fall in love. You know, the first time I took my wife out there, um, must have been 2013, 12 or something, we did a dinner at Carmen Ranch, and we ended up staying in the county for six days, and she cried 
my wife literally cried leaving because she just was so in love with the the beauty and and the mountains and everything out there so um, it's a, it already has a special place in our heart and we will be out there a couple times a year you ever been out in the winter Always. I've never been out there in the no winter. and that's awesome because we're going out this winter oh uh, you are yeah so uh Paul Paul who owns the rafting company um, also he, he and a group of people keep uh, a local um, ski hill I guess it's a hill uh, a little resort a little uh you know single t-bar mountain uh, they keep that up and running so we're gonna go out and ski with him and his kids and I can bring my boy and throw him in a backpack and oh you've got ski you know for years no one ever did that now with all the backpacks all the stuff yeah that you where you can take a kid and how you can take well it. so I think it'd be tough though because I couldn't go to Mount Hood and bring the kid and put him in a backpack I don't because he's too little but to go to a smaller little spot I can throw him in a pack and go ski so do you think uh, is Portland in your blood completely can you ever see yourself if an opportunity came up any elsewhere uh, moving? I don't think I'd ever leave Oregon. Even Willow. Okay, so yeah. Willow County. Willow County. Now it's too far. Yeah. I couldn't live out there. It's tough. You know, I, like speaking of Erica, she moved out there this for a little while this past winter, and it's tough. The stories you hear, you know, like with the big storms, they got shut down. They had nothing right. made it out there for three or four weeks. And, right. And Lynn Curry had her place out yeah. there too. That didn't. And I never got there. The Lostine Tavern. Yeah, Lostine Tavern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but how often do you get out to the coast? Uh, not, not often enough, apparently, because my boy's nine months and that was his first trip out. So, uh, which is tough. We used to try to make it out more, but it's just, it's been a busy, you know, oh, busy, you got to get him year. on the beach. He loved it. We got it. We got what, on this. What, what beach did you go to? Uh, we went to, uh, Agate Beach. Did you find some agates? And then we also went to, uh, uh, Yik, uh Yikino Bay. So, uh, we didn't find any agates actually. I don't mm. think about it. But it was pretty awesome. He just jammed around in the sand and crawled around and my dog goes nuts and so I had a good time what kind of dog do you have I got a little mutt oh. I'm surprised you haven't seen Marmot he, my wife puts him all over the internet <laughs> oh, I've probably seen him but I've probably just, just you can check out his Instagram at Marmot the Mutt Marmot the Mutt yeah I once set up a, a Facebook page for my dog for Oakley and they took it down Oh really? So, yeah. Yeah. There's lots. Instagram. There's tons of those things now. My Just my wife. Go to the Instagram one. Yeah. It's not like I have shut him down. He's all <laughs> over the place. My wife, by the way, is a huge fan of uh, your pictures. Oh. Loves, loves, loves. I oh. told her what I was doing today, and she's like, "Oh my god, I love his photographs." <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I I love doing them because I love hearing that. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people would like to be out at the coast more than they are. And if I can just bring a little bit of that joy into someone's sure. day, it, mean, it means Now, what are you shooting me. with? Is that your camera? I'm shooting with Or is with that just your phone? That is. Samsung Galaxy Edge 7. And then you use a lot of filters and stuff? I do. Uh, what some. I do is, uh, first of all, I got some really cool lenses that my son bought me oh, nice. for this thing. And, um, and then I use Snapseed. I got a couple cool. of little yeah. things on there to bring out the color a little sure. bit, and it really just makes it look like it was supposed to look. Yeah, your photos are look look very professional. Oh, thank you. <laughs> There's actually, I'm no, I've never had the opportunity to do this on this show, yeah. so they're actually for sale at uh, in Manzanita at the Salt and Paper gift oh. shop where they have a whole I have a whole rack, and there's a little sign there that says uh, local artist Chris Angelus, which I wish my mother had seen. That's very cool. Sure. My wife now I have to, I know what I'm buying her next. Oh, she, I got like I said, She loves your stuff, man. Oh, cool. So we'll have to get we'll have to get one for the house. All right. Well, there there's a site, but even the greeting cards. Just send her. I'll send her one of those. No, as we, need, we need a, we need a, a big one. I can't do it now because she's <laughs> listening to this. It's not going to be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, how? So you t- last time you were on the show, we didn't. You didn't remember whether you had uh, met Autumn or not. Oh, I definitely met her, and we were. I just. I, I couldn't remember if we had gotten married yet. I think we had just gotten married. So, what was the? Uh, how'd you guys meet? Uh, Beaker and flask. Oh, yeah, that's simple. Yeah. Yeah, Autumn, uh, she was a server. She worked at uh, a bar in, in Seattle called Zigzag, which is super famous, kind of world-famous cocktail bar, and then uh, moved to Portland and, and got a job at Beaker and Flask. And oh, the, so you've been dating for a long... You had been dating for a long time. Yep. Yeah, the first first day she came on board, I, yeah, it happened. That was it? Yeah. And how did that happen? Let's just hear the moment. Uh, we... I actually asked her if she wanted to grab a drink afterwards at Rum Club, which had just opened. I said, hey, you know, we have a sister sister bar next door. You want to go have a drink? And and uh, Autumn and I ended up having uh, <clears throat> a couple, two, three, like five Fernet shots. And uh, she's a very small woman. She's five yeah. five zero and about 100 pounds dripping wet. And she looked at me after the fourth one, and she's like, all right, I can have one more, and then I got to go home. And uh, we had that fifth Fernet, and she went home, and... Uh, that was kind of that was the that was the beginning of the end for us. So, do you think if you'd only had four, it might not have happened? It might not have. I don't know. Oh man, it's the fifth. <laughs> that, that's that's the name of a book, the yeah. fifth Fernet. Yeah, the fifth Fernet. Um, I actually told that told that story at my wedding because that was, that was the night where we. It was funny. We literally met that day and we said, "Well, this is this is really weird to say this on the first day, but we're either gonna be together forever or we're gonna be best friends." And we ended up getting married. So, and ho- hopefully both. Absolutely both, right. but I'm rather have this than just be the best friend thing. So yeah, well that's yeah. that's my thing, yeah. but that's for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, does she miss the business? She does. Yeah, because she also so uh, after uh, after Beacon and Flash, she worked at Holly Pele, which is a cool tiki bar over on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've been over there, but oh yeah, uh, she was the she was at Holly Pele for three and a half years before having our kid. Um, so she she loved doing that. She loves she just she's just great with people and and uh, is is great at uh, kind of hosting everybody. So uh, she definitely miss, misses it, but. For now, is she going to dabble, or does she want to get back? Or yeah, she does, and uh, she will. But right now, she's just hanging with the kid and being an amazing mom. Cool. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for coming. Yeah, my pleasure. It's really good to have you back. Always good to see you. Good to see you. We're going to have Patrick at some point in the near future as well, because last time you guys were together, that's true. Um, <laughs> have you been to South Fork? Uh, I have not. Oh, come on. Nah. Uh, well, you got to get over there. <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing a PFA there in, in October. Oh, maybe cool. we can get you over there. Yeah, I don't it's think... very hard getting chefs to come to events. That's true. It, uh, we we pick those so so carefully. By the way, I have to yeah. tell you, and and it it came it 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 happened, and then I carried I followed through on it. Mm-hmm. I've been doing events for a long time. You are, you know. Part of it that make them special is the relationship and the intimacy that we have with our chefs, and no one has been better than you in oh, terms thanks. of the interaction with the guests and making them feel comfortable. And do you get out in Laurelhurst a lot? Do you get out, do you get to do the rounds? I do. Yeah, you know, I work on I outside expedite, so I'm kind of in the dining room all night. Uh, so I definitely scoot around and, and chat with people and. Um, well, yeah. there's a good reason for people to go to Laurelhurst, aside yeah, come, from the food. Come hang out. Come hang out. <laughs> cool. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. <laughs>